0: Welcome to the Red Words Podcast, where we pursue a personal relationship with God the Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Join us weekly as we deep dive into the dynamic and oftentimes curious, Holy Spirit inspired book of God's Word. As we move closer to the final chapters in Revelation, Chapter 18 describes God's destruction of Babylon, which is Satan's governmental, financial, and commercial capital. Babylon is the last holdout before the final battle, for Rome lies in ruins, and many people are being forced marched into Israel to meet their fate in the battle of Armageddon. Here is Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 through 3. After all this, I saw another angel come down from heaven with great authority, and the earth grew bright with his splendor. He gave a mighty shout. Babylon is fallen. That great city is fallen. She has become a home for demons. She is a hideout for every foul spirit, a cage for every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have fallen because of the wine of her passionate immorality. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her. Because of her desires for extravagant luxury, the merchants of the world have grown rich. Another angel provides detail about Babylon and her destruction. The city will be great and marvelous, except lurking in her underbelly is every noxious and deadly creature, demons, evil spirits, along with unclean and hateful birds. Birds? Yes. For what is a group of crows called? A murder. What do vultures eat? Roadkill. Is it possible that crows and vultures are the result of God's curse upon earth after the fall of Adam? Maybe. But we learn a lot about birds from Jesus' parable about sowing seed. Because who took and ate the seed of the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? The seed that he spread upon earth. That would be birds. Throughout Scripture, they are often represented as Satan's ministers. In the occult, crows belong to Satan. But wait, what about other birds? How about a raven, a close cousin to the crow? What did ravens do throughout Scripture? In Genesis chapter 8, verse 7, Noah released a raven from the ark, and it flew back and forth until the floodwaters receded and it found dry land. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 4 and 6, God sent ravens to feed his prophet Elijah when he was forced to hide in the wilderness. The ravens brought Elijah bread and meat twice a day. In Job, Psalms, and Luke, God specifically asks, Who is the one that feeds the ravens when they're hungry? And twice in the Old Testament, and at least four times in the New Testament, God declares how important sparrows and swallows are to him. And then he tells us that as important as those birds are, his greatest creation, mankind, is more valuable to him than an entire flock of those birds. The point being, God knows all about good and evil birds, and there are quite a few horrible birds creeping about in Babylon. All the nations of earth adore Babylon, and they've gotten drunk off her vileness, evil, and seduction, for she oozes great extravagances and luxuries, all the things of the world Satan uses to tempt people. And then there's the greed aspect, as many men throughout the Great Tribulation make billions off this city. Right now, during our time, there are a few extravagant buildings in Babylon, but It is just a shell of what it will become when Antichrist has the city rebuilt. The book of Daniel tells us that when the time comes, developers, contractors, craftsmen, and laborers will be employed by the tens of thousands to build her rapidly. And they will receive exceptionally high wages for getting this job done. In turn, they spend their wages on immoral and violent acts deep within the bowels of the city's underworld. The cycle is perpetuated, and people love it. For they get so filthy rich, they wallow in money. Here are verses 4 and 5. Then I heard another voice calling from heaven. Come away from her, my people. Do not partake in her sins, or you will be punished with her. For her sins are piled as high as heaven, and God remembers her evil deeds. Oh, how gracious is the Lord God as he warns right now to come away and stay away from Satan's worldly temptations of money, power, control, pride, and egotism. These things are the root of all that is evil, and God wants people to avoid them at all costs. But do they? Here are verses 6 through 8. Do to her, as she has done to others, double her penalty for all her evil deeds, she brewed a cup of terror for others, So brew twice as much for her. She glorified herself and lived in luxury. So match it now with torment and sorrow. She boasted in her heart, I am queen on my throne. I am no helpless widow. I have no reason to mourn. Therefore, these plagues will overtake her in a single day, death and mourning and famine. She will be completely consumed by fire, for the Lord God who judges her is mighty. God does not forget one moment of history. Here and now, he remembers Babylon's original sins and every one committed in her boundaries, up to and including Antichrist's future city. God claims that he will do to Babylon what she has done to others, for in her horrible deeds, she claimed the lives of many victims. God doubles her penalties, not just taking an eye for an eye, but far more because Babylon's iniquity stretches far back to the beginning. But why? Because for everything the city boasted, for all the things that propelled one person into the lap of luxury, some other person had to suffer to get them there. So now God doubles down on those abhorrent acts with pain and suffering in the form of plagues that all occur within one day, but last for many God blasts the city and it burns to the ground, the same way he obliterated Sodom and Gomorrah. The devastation is so bad, people are forced to watch from afar. Could the blast be nuclear then? Is the radiation such that the mourners cannot safely get any closer? We aren't told. But what about the other plagues? Babylonians die and they are deeply mourned. The mourners' grieving is so deep, it covers them like a plague, and the devastation leaves the mourners to suffer great famine, for everything is gone or contaminated, and no one comes to their aid. You see, when God warns and people refuse to listen, he's patient for a time, but only to a point. Most would agree that several thousand years is plenty of time for people to hear and comprehend, except most do not. Therefore... When God has had enough, it may appear that His punishment is sudden because He doubles or triples His vengeance. But why does He do this? Because He alone is worthy to judge and condemn after so many years have passed and people still don't change. God will not tolerate evil forever, but He will give people multiple chances to choose against it and run to Him. Despite all this, the merchants of the world stand back and moan and wail over Babylon's fiery consumption, as we see in verses 9 through 11. And the kings of the world who committed adultery with her and enjoyed her great luxury will mourn for her as they see the smoke rising from her charred remains. They will stand at a distance, terrified by her great torment. They will cry out, How terrible, how terrible for you, O Babylon, you great city! In a single moment, God's judgment came on you. The merchants of the world will weep and mourn for her, for there is no one left to buy their goods. So why are these people so upset? (laughs) Because the money dries up. There's no one left to purchase the cargo that sits in the holds of their ships verses 12 through 16 tell us what the citizens of Babylon purchased. She bought great quantities of gold, silver, jewels, and pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, and scarlet cloth, things made of fragrant thion wood, ivory goods, and objects made of expensive wood and bronze, iron, and marble. She also bought cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine, flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, chariots, and bodies, that is, human slaves. The fancy things you love so much are gone, they cry. All your luxuries and splendor are gone forever, never to be yours again. The merchants who became wealthy by selling her these things will stand at a distance, terrified by her great torment they will weep and cry out how terrible how terrible for that great city she was clothed in finest purple and scarlet linens decked out with gold and precious stones and pearls easy come easy go but not one mention from these mourners of the suffering victims those whom they used to gain their riches This scripture lists 28 items in their cargoes that the merchants wanted to sell to the citizens of the world. Take a look at that last item, human slaves. According to one commentator, during the first Roman Empire, some 10,000 humans were bought and sold every day. One-third of the world's population during Rome 1.0 lived in lifelong slavery. Is there human slavery today? Even if a person refuses to believe that this is happening, what about enslaving people to the world's governments via taxation? The majority of Americans work until the beginning of June to pay their yearly taxes. Most never fully break free from our governmental taxation system. Americans watch as their hard-earned money is spent by their government on some of the most horrific things. This is the reason God destroys Satan's governmental and commercial city. For in the upcoming chapters, the Lord God is going to make way for an entirely new system, a monarchy without commercialism. But let's continue as verses 17 through 19 sheds more light on who profited from Babylon. In a single moment, all the wealth of the city is gone, and all the captains of the merchant ships and their passengers and sailors and crews will stand at a distance. They will cry out as they watch the smoke ascend, and they will say, Where is there another city as great as this? And they will weep and throw dust on their heads to show their grief. And they will cry out, How terrible! How terrible for that great city! The ship owners became wealthy by transporting her great wealth on the seas. In a single moment, it is all gone. The elite mourn as if the city were a person coating themselves in ashes and dust. Yet, they did not mourn the actual people who died so they could gain. The only thing these elites care about is losing their money. And in verses 20 through 23, we see the absolute opposite response from those in heaven who witness Babylon's destruction. Rejoice over her fate, O heaven and people of God and apostles and prophets. For at last God has judged her for your sakes. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a huge millstone. He threw it into the ocean and shouted, Just like this, the great city Babylon will be thrown down with violence and will never be found again. The sound of harps, singers, flutes, and trumpets will never be heard in you again. No craftsmen, no trades will ever be found in you again. The sound of the mill will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The happy voices of brides and grooms will never be heard in you again. For your merchants were the greatest in the world, and you deceived the nations with your sorceries. In your streets flowed the blood of the prophets and of God's holy people, and the blood of people slaughtered all over the world. Chapter 18 condenses the entire book of Revelation into super simple terms, and that is the difference between God's and Satan's perspectives. As Satan's people mourn the city's destruction, and God's people rejoice— Finally, after many thousands of years, Babylon's victims are avenged. God waited all that time, and when he'd had enough, he judged them. And all the happy memories made within the city—music, craftsmanship, trading, grinding flour and corn, the light of lamps in the evening, marriage ceremonies—are all devoured by the one evil that flows like blood in her streets— But there's one other interesting fact here. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus said, But if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone hung around your neck. Hmm, from Babylon's beginning until her end. How many Babylonians harmed innocent children or caused these little ones to fall into sin? How many people throughout the world who harm children had those children end up in Babylon or any other great city of the world? How many children were sacrificed? How many were sold into slavery? How many were used for sex trafficking? How many were killed for their organs or their DNA? Only God knows the answer, but it sure seems as if this mighty angel of God responds to Jesus' claim. The good news is, from here on in, Revelation takes an 180-degree turn away from God's wrath and flows toward His many wonderful and glorious future promises. And so, dear friends, take heed of the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God today as you seek a deeper personal relationship with Him. Thank you for joining me, and know that the Lord Jesus Christ loves you very much, and so do we. Until next time, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen and amen.